welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey everyone, welcome back to your favorite movie podcast where a couple breaks down horror movies thematically by month. My name is Cindy. I'm Josh. Yay. I'm never going to get the opening down. This month we are doing the makes and remakes. We've watched Invisible Man from 33 and 2019 or 2020. Mm-hmm. We watched, what else? I don't know. Oh, what did we watch? The Ring. Yeah. Like, well, I forgot because it's the end of last month, the beginning of this month. We watched the Ring, uh, Ringu, <laughs> the original Japanese, and Ring. And uh, I'm into- I'm actually kind of looking forward to next week. But welcome to the Fly Edition. Yes. Um, but not the one that you think if you're if you're listening for the first time. Welcome to the 1958. I did not fly. know that this was a remake. That um, that the popular Jeff Goldblum. Sorry, yours, mine, everyone's boyfriend. Eighties, the fly is arguably the second or third greatest remake that's ever happened in movies. Ever. I never. I didn't even know it was a remake. That's crazy. Okay. Um, I've also never seen it. Definitely the second or third greatest horror remake ever. Okay. We'll get into that later. Are you going to do what number one is? Um. Without starting a whole conversation, because yes. I know people in their cars right now are, are saying he's about to say the thing. It's the thing. Okay, the thing. Uh, also a remake of a fifty science fiction film. <laughs> All right. Well, more when we do the thing. But right now we're going to talk about saving that the one for fly. A very important, like milestone. Okay. Um. Yeah. So the fly. The um, fly. Nineteen fifty-eight. Talk to me about what was going on in nineteen fifty-eight. Was this Eisenhower? Uh, it was. Okay. 1958 is a wild year. Um, it's the year that the peace sign debuted. All right. Because 1958 was a big year of like, maybe we shouldn't have nuclear weapons. Like, no one should have them. Please, please no. Like, maybe that's a thing that no one should have. Didn't work. Didn't work, did it? But it is what it is. Look where it got us. Well, we, we didn't have... Uh, uh-huh. We have not had a nuclear war, so it's not... It's like we're sitting in a bunker during Fair. the fallout. Yeah. Although we almost did. I was going to say, we almost did. And now they're Cause with NATO and Finland 50, and Sweden and Russia. I don't know what's happening anymore. 58 was the year that the military accidentally dropped an atomic bomb in South Carolina. Oops. On a small town. It was not armed, <laughs> but it was a live bomb. Yeah. Uh, it just hit and kind of rolled around. Oops. Um, it, it was dropped by accident. Yeah. We almost uh, nuked a, a small area. Coast. Yeah. That was a thing. Uh, Alaska became Poisoned a state. Okay. So. It's so wild to me when I think that my mom, like the, fl- my mom grew up with a different flag. Isn't that so weird? Mm-hmm. Like to think about. She remembers. She's like, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. When they changed it. For sure. Like, that's weird. 58 is when the Hula Hoop debuted. Fun. NASA was created. Okay. And the Jim Henson Company was founded. (sighs) That's my favorite right there. Not the Hula Hoop? Nope. Jim Henson's my favorite right there. Um, People that were born in uh, 58. Ice-T. I didn't realize he was that old. Holly Hunter. Gary Oldman. Prince. Kevin Bacon. Tim Burton and Jamie Lee Curtis. 
What a wild year. Yeah. And people that we lost that year, Tyrone Power, the actor. Didn't know who that was. Continue. He's an actor. Everyone else that died that year that was of note were like royalty. And if uh, you know me, uh, uh, I don't like talking about royalty. I do. Because they're fucking pointless. So 58, was that, was that when the king died? I don't know. Is that when when Lizzie took over? I, I honestly do not give a shit all right. at all about Sorry. royalty. All right, fine. <laughs> you don't give a shit, guys. You don't care. But July 16th, 1958. Yes. The fly was unleashed upon the world. <laughs> it is not rated. Really? Because that was really not a thing. Oh. oh. It is one hour and 34 minutes long. Fun. Which is honestly about the length of the remake. Oh, I didn't realize that. Both of those movies are short as shit. Okay. That's why I like them. Uh, it's directed by a Lady? German immigrant okay. uh, <laughs> called Kurt Newman. All right. Came here um, after the war. A little bit before. <laughs> Trying to get away from something going on in Germany. Yeah. We'll be getting away from the Germans. Okay. Uh, he's the director of Rocket Ship XM, She Devil, and The Fly, amongst many other movies. But The Fly was definitely the biggest film he ever made. Okay. But he did not know that At the because time. he died a week before it opened oh. for general audiences. <sighs> like that sucks. He it played like like screenings, like test screenings and stuff, and they were like, "This movie is playing like Gangbusters," and he was like, "Great, I'm set. I'm going to be set for life." And then he died. And he was. <laughs> He died like a week before it opened for audiences. Oh, man. So there you go. Okay. Uh, It's written by James Clavel. Do you recognize that name? No. So he's the guy who wrote The Great Escape. He wrote and directed To Sir With Love. Oh. And he wrote the novel Shogun. I, uh... I've never seen To Sir With Love. I know that's a very powerful movie and very important to a lot of uh teachers of my like my teachers when i was growing up mm-hmm. but as a teacher myself i've never seen it interestingly enough uh well this is the, his first screenplay ever wow this movie uh, it's based on a story by george langolin who i believe langolin the pangolin yes he was okay. a he was a pangolin oh. um, by birth and by trade thank god yeah he wrote a lot of short stories, a lot of science fiction and horror and whatnot. And um, I think he also wrote for like Twilight Zone and Outer Limits and whatnot. Cool. So this is right up that alley. Uh, I'm just going to throw out the cinematography credit real fast because it's... Because why not? It's shot by a gentleman named Carl Struss, who was also German. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> he was F.W. Murnau's cinematographer. He shot Sunrise. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Okay. And The Great Dictator for Charlie Chaplin. Oh, I love The Great Dictator. It's a fabulous movie. there you go. There we are. That's who made this movie. All right. Who is in it? That was the next question. Um, Who's the star? This is is one of those weird movies where they have the leads are younger people that you're like, eh. And then the smaller, like, second build characters are people that you're like, why aren't they the lead? Okay. <laughs> so David Hedison is the lead of this movie. He's okay. the top billed person in this movie. His character's name is Andre Delam. Andre Delam. They are French. And by French, I mean everyone in this movie is not French. Yeah. 
He is best known, other than this movie, for being Felix Leiter, the CIA agent in the James Bond franchise who pops up a bunch, in Live and Let Die with Roger Moore and License to Kill with the Daltonator. I know you don't give a shit about James Bond movies. I've never seen a single James Bond movie in my life, but I'm okay with that. I have seen them all. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Except for the newest one. I, he's a really good Felix. He was such a good Felix that other people played him between those roles. Like, we're talking 70s. Okay. Like, early set, 73-ish. He plays this character, and then they have other people play him. And then in, like, 85, 86, the studio's like, fuck that. Can you come back and play Felix again? <laughs> Oh, he's that good. He's the last time Felix appears in the movies, wasn't that? So they're like, we want to bring everyone's favorite Felix back. Okay. So there you go. It's him. The second character, or the second major character is uh, Patricia Owens, who's Helene. Helene. Delhomme. Helene Delhomme. Island in the Sun, a movie called Sayonara, which I've not seen, but sounds like it's probably racist. A little racist, yeah. I don't know. Could be wrong. Uh, Probably not. But how about... The third built person. Who is the being, third built uh, We person. could do a whole podcast where we just talk about this person. Connects to last week's episode about the Invisible Man. All right. Because they were the voice of the Invisible Man in Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. <laughs> Who was it? Uh, that character, actor, turned horror Legend. icon is Vincent Price. Oh. Uh, Fabulous. He is Francois Delorme. Interesting. Uh, just a couple movies of note. So. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, his big break was in Laura in 1944. Yep. And then he does this movie in 58, which really starts his like horror career. Before this, he was like the weird henchman. <laughs> like yeah, trying to find this eminent where odd he henchman. Fits. Yeah. And then he's in horror. And The Fly really kicks it off. And then in 59... He's in House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, and that's and, kind of when he mm-hmm. explodes. The same year he does Return of the Fly, The Tingler, <laughs> The Scream, okay. Scream for Your Lives, The Tingler. Uh, yeah, nineteen sixty he does The House of Usher. Yeah, and his Roger Corman pairing. That's probably begins. yeah. He does. That's a big famous play uh, yeah. story. Of yeah, his. he follows it with a pit and the pendulum. Yep. He does a movie that I wrote down because I just want to mention it because it has a great title and it is such a good fucking movie. What? Confessions of an Opium Eater in 62. <laughs> he was also one of the first hosts in the first season of The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. The first season is uh, hilarious to watch because it's all these like B-rated like mum and chants and like weird random like from the 70s and then near the end it's vincent price and he kind of sees the value in it and then all of a sudden people start taking the muppet show seriously because vincent price took it seriously mm-hmm. um he did the last man on earth yeah he did Witchfinder general which is i think his best horror role not his best horror movie because there's so many fun ones uh his last major film really was Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Like, he's the guy who created Edward Scissorhands and has a heart attack before he can give Edward hands yeah. instead of scissors. I don't know why you wouldn't why have just would started out that? with giving him hands. Yeah. But fuck it, that movie's good and it makes me cry. 
to everybody's. Um, yeah. Thing. So the other kind of big hitter in this movie is Herbert Marshall, who plays uh, Inspector Charis. Charis. Uh, he's in a movie called, and I apologize for saying this this way. Murder! <laughs> um, <laughs> was that what I was expecting you to say? Okay. Because it's... Murder! It's murder, exclamation point. And it's a Hitchcock film. Okay. Um, from 1930. He was also in for uh, Foreign Correspondent with from Hitchcock in 1940. And he was in The Letter with Betty Davis in 1940. Uh, by the time this movie rolls around, he's kind of at the end of his big time career. Yeah. Like, he's 10 years out of being like a big name. Yeah. Um, Vincent Price is not really a yeah, star. Not yet. This movie's just a straight B movie. Um, I do want to point out that there is a nurse in this movie. Hello, and, nurse. Exactly. And the nurse is played by Betty Lou Gerson, who I only bring up because she's the voice of, of Cruella DeVille. <laughs> Fabulous! Thank you for telling me that because when we're watching it it's, the whole time, we'd be like, "I know that voice. I know that voice. Where's that voice from? Face isn't familiar. Who's that voice?" Uh, yeah, so she's the voice of Cruella Deville, and I believe she's also the narrator of the opening of Cinderella. I will know that voice. Continue. So there you go. Those are the people I wanted to talk about. All right, where can we watch this movie? So we have um, the a special Criterion Blu-ray or. No, I don't. I think you overestimate how much horror. I think that Criterion. I think that out. the world underestimates the amount of movies we have at this house. Um, just so you're aware, this movie, mm. uh, as well as all of the flies, so the fly, Return of the Fly. They all, all these movies always have a I think there's trillion sequels. Three or four in the original series, and then the remake, and then the sequel to the remake. Are all in a box set that was put out by Screen Factory. I have that box set. Okay. Sorry, I know I keep saying Criterion, but we just special yeah. editions. These are limited editions. These are definitely more like Arrow or Screen Factory movies than they are like Criterion. Clip. Can we watch it on YouTube? A lot of these older movies are, are make, kind of making their way on oh, YouTube. Yeah. Like, you can definitely find. Okay. I mean, I'm here to tell you. You can find it on like Prime or someplace where you can pay for it, but it's there's probably a million ways to see this movie for free. All right, so uh, figure that out. Now, how can I forget our favorite part of the podcast? This is the part of the podcast where Josh shows me a movie from a movie, a, movie, a, po- a poster from the movie. I said a movie from the poster, and I tried to tell you what the pot's going to be about. It is, it's a black, white, and yellow with a red print, and it's just a woman screaming. It once it was human, even as it once it was human, even as you and I, the fly. So I know that this is a movie about um, like portals and a fly gets involved and it messes up all the DNA. That's kind of all I know. The monster created by Adams gone wild (laughs) for your own good. We urge you not to see it alone. Thank you. Thank you for that warning. All right. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> I predict this movie will not scare you. All right. Um, you are going to... Will it titulate me? You're going to be like, this movie is ridiculous and okay. kind of fun. And then you will watch the remake and it will fuck you up. <laughs> All right. Those, well, are my, those are my guesses. Here we go. Uh, join us, won't you? Mind the doors.
Will everyone in the theater hold on firmly to his seat, please? thing walked beneath that hood. It would be unfair at this time to show you any more of what went on in that laboratory where a man actually dared to play God. So fantastic words can't begin to describe it. You must see it with your own eyes to believe it when the fly comes your way. It isn't like any other fly I've ever seen. No! No! I've killed Andre. Please help me. Call the police and... The charge can only be murder. There were no mistresses. I had no lovers. Why did you kill him? God, don't let it get out. Inspector. Inspector, it's in the garden. Come quickly. As God is my witness, I saw the thing. It's unbelievable. I shall never forget that scream as long as I live. The fly is on its way. Watch out for it. It's far beyond anything your mind could ever conceive. We have watched the original The Fly. Uh, okay, I have thoughts. I think we all have some thoughts. First off, we watched this. It was part of, uh, what was that box set that you have? It's the Fly box set from Scream Factory. Okay. Is it just a special cut it's, or No, like it's that? it's just all, they packaged all of the Fly films together. How many are there? There's three in the original run and then two in the Reboot? newer 80s one. Oh, okay. So there's five total Fly movies. And how many are Vincent Price a part of? Only the first one? I think the first one. Dang it. I can't remember if he's in two. I think he might be in two. I can't remember. I wouldn't mind watching it. I love me some Vincent Price. So. If anything, I would say this movie's big fault is that he is not in it enough. enough. Correct. Like, I'd agree. This movie has the thing of like the older leads, the co-leads, mm-hmm. the second tier people um, between him and Herbert Marshall, I kind of wanted them to be more the focus right? than the husband and wife combo <laughs> that are the focus of the movie. Yeah, I um, totally agree with that. I, I would have loved a cut of this movie where uh, Vincent Price and Herbert Marshall are a couple. Okay. <laughs> and then the Rather than brothers. Them. Yeah. And then we kind of don't have to deal with David Hedison or Patricia Owens. Not that they did a bad job. She was kind of a whiny, bitchy woman, But though. you can't be in a movie with... Vincent Price, especially like a 50s and early 60s, mm-hmm. like gothic or science fiction horror film. And, and think hold you're gonna, your own yeah, think against Vincent gonna Price. If you're not camping have top billing. out of your it's crazy. Uh, performance, like you really got to ratchet that shit up. So my one sentence synopsis is, or, you know, whatever, um, a scientist figures out how to teleport, but uh Things go awry when he tries to teleport himself and there's a fly in the cage in the cage and 
All evidence must be destroyed, including himself. Which we don't see. Nope, not at all. It's all just kind of implied and almost, you know, when during the reenactment type thing, um, or the flashback, I guess. But no, you don't see anything. It's, it's like, all just implied. We, we see the teleportation stuff, and he's really excited, and then suddenly, like, he's a fly. Like, mm-hmm. all that shit happens off screen. Mm-hmm. And it basically, spoiler alert, just swaps his head. Like the fly head, well, his, his and, head, and his, his hands, yeah. like his arm. Um, that's kind of it. Right. Uh, and then he slowly starts having like insect brain, like having an insect, like a fly head for so long starts to mess with him down. Right. He starts his, like, to get the yeah. fly brain rather than human brain. Now, I knew as part of just, you know, being an, a red blooded American. I knew what this movie was about. You know, it's been parodied so many times and that kind of thing. But I did not know about the end where you see it reversed, where you see the fly with the human head and human arm. Yeah. And that was creepy. That's kind of... I can of... definitely see how it was like, oh, that would be a shock. Because it was for me like, oh. And then, That's yeah. the most famous line from the movie is the, help, help me, help me. My mom quotes that at me every time you mention the, any, any version of the fly. When I quote that. She does that. When I quote that, it's um, from Beetlejuice when they're mocking the yeah, fly. That's <laughs> yeah. where it's from. Uh, so IMDb just has quickly, a scientist has a horrific accident when he tries to use his newly invented teleportation device. Ba-boom. Yeah, that's fly it. head the lot. Um, like we said, this movie suffers from not enough Vincent Price. It's a bad disease to have. Not enough hand wringing in like <sighs> suits and smoking jackets, and, Vincent and, Price. And tisks. Can't there. Can't there. Yeah. Like... Vincent Price always in this movie seems like he just came from someplace better or he's going to someplace better. He probably like is. He's just like stopping in to see the family before he goes off to like a fucking cocaine fueled party or something. He's just always like, well, I have to run. Probably. <laughs> he probably is. He just popped in to do these scenes and then he's off. I think the consensus of this podcast is fucking love Vincent Price. We love Vincent Price. He's like, he's excellent. How is he not the lead of everything ever? Um, For a while, he kind of was. Him so much. So we watched this with the 65-year-old, or the 75, oh, she wishes, with the 75-year-old, and she liked it. Oh, no, we didn't watch it with her. We t- I talked about it with her. She had yeah. already seen it. That's right. Um, we did not watch it. Uh, but she solo had seen this movie of many course times. She, of course, she's seen this movie. Yeah, she like, misquoted it to me a few times, which was, was adorable. A late night staple. I'm assuming in like the 60s. I'm sure, like 10 years or so after it came out. I sure. will say that I've said this before, but we've not talked about it in a while. What's that? Of all of the genres of movies, horror is the one that most tells us historically where we were at in a time okay right we have like, talked about this you can't watch early seasons yeah from like throughout history and kind of get a theme from dramas right because they're kind of all over the place um they can be 50 yeah. science fiction and horror films a lot of science two things a lot There's of two, scary technology two main themes to horror films of the 50s like we did the whole run about universal films in the thirties and forties. Like it was this whole idea of, we want the, we want the horror to be escapism. We want it to be this other thing. Like we want to see people that are suffering worse than we are during the depression. Right. Or during world war two. 
Um, in the 50s, you get a fear of communists post-World War II. So you get a lot of horror films about, like, you know, what does it mean to be human? Like, are these people human? Are these pod people? Like, uh, that vein, which is also kind of science fiction-y horror. And then, like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original yeah, Invasion. Yeah, that would... I'd um, kind of call that kind of horror, yeah. And then you get the 50s is the heyday of science run amok horror. A lot of radiation movies, a lot of, like, Godzilla, giant, like... That's why we have Mystery Science Theater 3000. Giant monster movies. There are so many of those movies that are in that genre of horror slash sci-fi yep. during this time. All the B-rated movies, People all of them. were terrified of... You know, the secret socialist in the 50s in this country. And they were terrified of atomic weaponry, right? Mm-hmm. We, th- they were a people that had seen the devastation of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and knew kind of firsthand from like news reports what atomic weapons could do if they were unleashed. <laughs> and suddenly the Soviet Union has them in the 50s. Right. So we're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like we're not the only people to have this. I'm playing with the big dogs. So this idea of like radiation running wild gives us like Godzilla, gives us um, them, the the American movie about the giant ants. Okay. Right? Like radiated ants that come out of the desert where we were testing atomic weapons. And they're the size of like a fucking house, but they're ants. Like all these movies, people suddenly stop trusting science as much, and science became like a scary thing. Is this how we get QAnon? No, because <laughs> Is this how that happened. Here's the thing: the '50s films were based like all the horrors around radiation or like outer space shit, which is theoretically scary, right? Radiation is terrifying. Um, the unknown of space is terrifying. Now, like, the fear of science is, like, vaccines. (laughs) Like, shit that's, like, safe and has been proven safe, like, a hundred times over. But thanks to the repeal of certain laws, anyone can lie on television about anything and suddenly, like, people believe it. Yeah. So, no, like, there's definitely a whole genre of movies about irradiated monsters that grow to giant sizes or things about, like... This is the heyday of like shit falls to earth or aliens come here and they're terrifying. And this movie kind of falls into that, but also kind of doesn't because it's a scientist who does it to himself. Kind of, he doesn't kind of, he turns himself into like a half a fly, half man. But the horror is all contained in the scientist himself. Okay. Right. Like most of these movies would have been, he turns into a giant fly. And then he starts attacking Montreal because this movie takes place in Canada. I thought for some reason it took yeah, place in it, Paris. Well, France, I mean, it, but... it has the very French kind of feel to it. But yeah, it, it took place in Montreal for some reason. Yeah. Which is interesting because the next film we're watching is by a Canadian. So, Mr. Cronenberg. Oh. Uh. Um, but it's this weird thing where, like, you can definitely see what's coming. And I, I think it's also an interesting thing where we, we talk about the first modern horror film being psycho this right. movie came out two years before psycho like, and there's it a huge so difference. difference oh my gosh yeah like they feel decades apart right like, yes wow okay two years hmm like psycho came out in 1960 it's totally different every every aspect it, wow okay right this whole thing of there's a this was shot more like a play there's a man with a fly head and, uh, and suddenly like two there's years like later sets. norman bates <sighs> 
yeah is a thing and it forever changes horror and kind of ends the run of like there's a giant monster that's like on the loose we moved it more psychological thrillers people were like oh this is and, way well, scarier and the 60s you know, becomes slasher. this weird grab bag that kind of you've got some newer style stuff after psycho and then like some throwback stuff and then the 70s gives us like the fucking texas chainsaw massacre and stuff like oh yeah 70s horror is very like meant to be scary and meant to be very realistic for the most part even like science fiction horror like alien which was 79 i keep wow oh yeah that's right i knew that yeah so this is kind of at the end of a run of 50s horror that's all based on like this scary science movement of the 50s right yeah and I just think it's really interesting because I feel like we're due for another one. Another change of horror, you mean? Or No, because we've been in like a an interesting horror space where horror's kind of like got this weird prestigeness to it now. Okay. With movies like Get Out, which are kind of sciencey, right? There's a science element to Get Out. Yeah. It was um, the the genetics or whatever it was. Yeah. You like swapping brains and whatnot. I, I just feel like we're almost due with all the misinformation about science and coming out of a pandemic that we're heading towards having another like wave of these like science run amok movies in a okay. way. Because what you're saying. we're also living in an era where Russia has invaded we're like what, six months? It's crazy. Six yeah. months into few, Russia invading Ukraine and then it seems like every Thursday, <laughs> Vladimir Putin's like, I will I will shoot nuclear weapons at someone. Yep. Um, We're doing it all again. So things are cyclic. <laughs> you could say that. Like you get all these 50s science fiction films. And then the filmmakers in the 80s who were raised on these 50s films remake them or put elements of this science fiction stuff into their own movies. Right, like the thing from another planet comes out in the fifties, right? And John Carpenter's like, I want to remake the thing. Okay. Um, oh, and then we the have the Fly, and then the Blob. The, okay. Like all of my favorite eighties horror films are remakes of fifty science fiction horror films. It's almost the Marvel thing of right <laughs> of our generation, where it just keeps getting new, new cast, same same story, new cast, same story. And, and it's this thing where. A lot of the science fiction stuff of the 50s, the heroes are like scientists and soldiers. And then in the 80s, they're just like working class dudes. Or cops. And in the case of like, it's not a remake, but like one of the quintessential 80s science fiction films, horror films, is they live where it's literally homeless people. Yep. The heroes of the movie. They'll do anything to bring um, up they live. I'm on to you. It is what it is. I will... For, I will go to my grave talking about how they live <laughs> is one of the greatest movies of all time. That uh, was a season one episode. Fucking love that movie. But it, The Fly. Yeah, The Fly. <laughs> I will say this. You will say this. The best part about watching The Fly for this podcast is. We get to watch We now get one. to watch the one from 86. Yeah. Which is such a better movie. I'm excited. Uh, not just with better effects. Like it's just a better movie cool like everything that happens off screen happens on screen yeah yeah Cronenberg does that doesn't he yeah yay for that <laughs> so I mean like what did you think about I really liked it fly? um her lipstick color got on my nerves but that's a minute thing uh I, I liked it there was a lot of the 
you know, the delicate lady sort of thing that made me laugh. You know what I always found frustrating? What? How many times when they think she's crazy because she's like, you know, wants to lie and be like, he definitely didn't turn himself into a fly. I killed him. <laughs> they have her in bed because they're like, you just need to rest. Yeah. Like, they don't arrest her. She's a her. hysterical lady. She at the needs very to beginning, calm down. At the very beginning of the movie, she's like, I killed my husband. And they're like, well, rich white woman, stay home in bed. She's guarded, but but by like a nurse. By Corella Deville, <laughs> the nurse. That's right. The actress who voiced yeah. Corella Deville, and and until they're like, until we sort all this, you murdered your husband with a metal press out of the way. You stay home and stay in bed. Yeah, it was very. Uh, oh, but, to yeah. be rich and I had to suspend my disbelief for that more than I had to for the technology. <laughs> yeah. And then the thing that kept driving me crazy was I will bite and believe that the police would tell a rich person. Well, this is also Canada. Maybe that's why they made it Canada. Just stay home <laughs> until we figure out what's going on and then we'll arrest you. Right. But what drove me crazy was they kept having her like sleep and then she would wake up from like a nap or from sleeping all night and she'd have like perfect makeup and her hair would be perfect. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, oh. Yeah, she just like kind of lays it yeah. That's it's very unrealistic for that. Yeah. For sure. Like if this were real life, let's be honest. She would wake up with her hair all fucked up, mm-hmm. one titty hanging out of like a fucking <laughs> tank top. I'm feeling attacked here. <laughs> CPAP like, machine, what? Confused. Like what is what's going on? That is how I wake up every day. What a sight. But every like every time she wakes up, she's like, Oh, I killed my husband. Do you find the fly with the white head? Yeah, by the way. And it's, uh, yeah, this movie definitely has the mm. artificiality. Right, of, like, of the 50s. Yeah, of like, of, it's, it's the, it's the glossy 50s yeah. that we think of the 50s from because of TV, movie, and, and te- it's, it's Technicolor. It's all like, hmm. Right, like. That's not how it really looks. There wasn't a point in time in the 50s when there weren't like violent crimes there weren't terrible things happening but because it wasn't depicted on tv it didn't matter be, yeah because of things like dragnet <laughs> representation and, matters you know, all these shows and movies where it's like things are great and when bad things happen it's an outlier in the magical 1950s yeah that's why people think it was this decade like of leave it to beaver and perfection it was not there were a lot of problems so next week we are watching what i call the real fly the real fly the real fly but i guess that's what this is so this movie uh the original one you said there were two sequels does it and we're not going to be watching them right like they're just kind of to laugh at yes i mean uh, i i do not advocate watching movies to laugh at them (laughs) this is where we this is one of the few things we disagree on i fall into the joe dante camp of I do not like shows like Mystery Science Theater where it's my favorite show. I get it, but here's the thing: every movie, mm-hmm. no matter how good, bad, or in between it is, every movie is someone's favorite movie. Okay. So I do not like the idea of like denigrating or shitting on a movie, um, unless its politics are terrible, <laughs> right? Like if it's saying something where I'm like, "Wow, that movie just paints women as." trashy or terrible or like i'm okay with that but like it's campiness of things yeah i'm not a big fan of like running things down Um, okay because the sequels to this 
are kind of more of the same. All right, people like if, trying his experiment if sort you of like a thing. This movie, and you'll you're like. like. I would like more in this vein because the shit from the '80s is a bit too much for me. Um, someone like Again, your mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the sequels are not bad. I mean, the th- second sequel, the third film, is a little rough. But okay. Again, every movie is somebody's favorite. favorite. Movie. So I, I may only be the writer. I will never fine. Go out of fine, shit fine, on fine. Movie. Is there anything else we need to do before we wrap up the fly? Um, I mean, mm-hmm. not really. I don't think you can really arc off this movie. This movie is an exploitation movie from the fifties, but it's not really exploitation. It's a Technicolor movie. That's I mean, what I, just bright colors and three sets. Just a big ass country home, right? You have the basement lab, and then you have how many sets were there? The up like there's there were very few. Then there was the upstairs. There like, was the house. Bedroom. It's, there was the house itself. Okay, so right? said like the one first location. floor, the lab, that bedroom, the um, kitchen area. Yeah, the kitchen area, the park outside. Like, well, there's I, like a park outside. That's just their outside, and that's just their that's just where they live. Vincent Price's office. Yeah. The building they shot in with the press at the beginning of the movie. And the Gentleman's Club. And the, there's like eight. Okay. Eight different locations in this movie. It is like a stage play. Mm-hmm. It's shot very flatly. Uh, people just kind of walk in and then walk out. It's yes. very much like watching a stage play. So it's not the most cinematic movie. <laughs> um, but it, it gives rise to the idea that gives us Jeff Goldblum's The Fly. Agreed. And Which it, is what we're watching next week, yes? Yes. And okay. I, I will say, if we were going to archive it, but we're not, it would definitely get the line, help me, in that little voice, is memorable. Yes. <laughs> um, it definitely would score that point. So, And I would assume that this is a pretty original thought, too, like, or revolutionary. This idea of, <sighs> I mean, it's it's just an interesting take on transport you know like oh it'd be so cool to teleport and then oh yeah that would be really cool but there is that oh yeah it would jumble all your how would it tell what from what oh yeah that thank you by the way because that reminds me of okay this the experiment fucks up right mm-hmm. first of all he's a dickhead for putting his cat for in putting there. the cat in there yeah. without doing any testing and telling all. his family later when they're like where is he yeah that cat mm-hmm. dope fucking name by the way that cat's name was Dandelo. Dandelo, which is, you know, dandelion and Dandelo. Okay. Like this movie does this thing where they're like, let's throw in weird like French shit. Yeah. Like everyone talks with an American with a you very know very American like very New York except for well, Vincent Price who is super fey. The gene- it's that <laughs> and generic very, like, voice. Very the, Vincent Price. The generic New England. Or whatever that voice was called that they all had to learn. It's not transatlantic. Yeah, that's it. Is that, it's not transatlantic. It's that's what she. That's what. That's how they were speaking. They were talking as though they had no accent at all, and yet did. They had a very precise way of talking. Except for Vincent Price. Except for Vincent, and that's well, that's He's part of why we love him. Doing the, yes, like <laughs> sucking his teeth. There must be something. Wringing his hands occasionally. Yes. Like Danhausen. <laughs> oh, but uh, what I was saying, his mm-hmm. experiment pisses me off. For many reasons. Because 
he figures out how to teleport things with like little energy expenditure and then kills a cat and then fucks himself up and then and then isn't like hey this thing that i have told you will end world hunger and do all these great things i'm gonna destroy it and all my notes and take this invention away from the world because i'm a fly person (laughs) he could have just said hey um let everyone know that this doesn't work with like living tissue and just use it to like transport goods and services across but the otherwise planet. it's okay yeah um like you know food stuffs and like liquids and whatnot but no nope no. true to form being a rich white corporation owning white guy he's he like just destroys well, everything i can't have this and it Nobody fucked me up can. so fuck the world ah! and destroys it if I can't have rage, it, no one can. It's the corporate motto of every slave-owning corporate master. If I can't have it, no, no one, one can. can. So To the moon and beyond. <laughs> Yay. So next week we're watching Jeff Goldblum's The Fly. 1986. 1986. Is there anything else we need to touch on before we wrap up today's episode? I would just Let say, the people get on with what they were doing before we began talking in their ears. Um, if you're going to watch both, if you have to pick between one, do the Goldblum Cronenberg one. I would assume clearly. that. Yeah. But this is a really fun. If you have to watch an old timey pet movie, like, this is a good it's time. It's not a movie that you want to watch like repeatedly. I think once the, you watch it once or twice, that's really all the mileage you're going to get out of it. Um, unless you really love it. In which case, Enjoy. But it's interesting to see how this movie shapes, um, comes at the tail end of the science fiction boom of the 50s and kind of shapes a lot of stuff in the 80s. All right, cool. So there you go. Well then, until next time. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. (laughs) Yay. The fly. Help me.